Welcome to the show, everyone. I have a very special guest for you today. He is a legend in the fight game, boxing, MMA, and kickboxing, the best cut man in the business. Welcome to the show, the legendary Jacob Stitch Duran. Hello, sir. Oh, man, you embarrass me, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. <laughs> oh, man, thank you so much for taking time to do with it. You know, when, when I, and, and many others, but when I think of the fight game, someone that's always in the mix and a name that always pops up in my head is Stitch Duran. So how did you even, uh, I mean, it's not exactly the most normal go-to-college vocation, if you will. Uh, how did you get started in the business? What kind of led you down that path? Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, I wrote a book called From the Fields to the Garden. Yes. Uh, I grew up as a farm worker, right? And uh, my goal was always to make it to Madison Square Garden. Oh, I see you got it, huh? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, my, my goal was always to become a professional baseball player, right? So I played all four years varsity baseball and, you know, Little League, Pony League, all the way up the echelons. And I walked on to Merced College that was nine miles away from my little town of Planada. And I didn't have a car, so I would uh, hitch a ride with my friends. And after school, they would head back home and I would stay and not practice. And, you know, uh, I was third baseman, right? So, yeah, you know, I practiced with the team and all that. And, and I just couldn't – I'd have to hike, hitchhike. After okay. every day, right? I didn't know about grants and scholarships and all that. So I went to the recruiter and uh, joined the Air Force in 1972. And, oh. and in 1974, I always said if, if I went to the Orient, I'd want to study the martial arts, right? That was oh. during the Bruce Lee period. And uh, so they sent me to a place called Thailand. And being a young, naive kid, I didn't know what Thailand was. And <laughs> I had friends that uh, took me downtown. Uh, they were already there, and they uh, took me to some Muay Thai fights. And uh, from there on, I on base, I started training. On the base, they had Taekwondo for the GIs, right? Oh, yeah. So I did that for like three months, and, and then the Thais kind of took over and transitioned us in, to the Muay Thai style, which was great that I took Taekwondo because it gave me some legs. And wow. uh, So, yeah, then I got back to the States and got into boxing and, you know, started training amateur fighters, and I started – learned how to be a cut man, wrapping hands and all that. And and then I used to work with Dennis Alexio. I don't know if you remember him. He was uh, the world champion in kickboxing. Uh, he was the the brother for Jean-Claude Van Damme in the movie Kickboxer. He was the one that was in the wheelchair. Oh, and, yes. But a great athlete. So there I started making the transition of learning how to be a cut man. And uh, I remember I did a show in Richmond, California, while I was there as a fan. It was a boxing show. And this, I asked this guy, he did a good job on cuts, that I uh, told him I was trying to learn how to be a cut man, and I asked him if he would tell me what he did. And he says, fuck you. He goes, I'm taking this to my grave, and you got to learn like me, and he walked away. I felt about this big, bro. <laughs> Welcome but, to the uh, business. Eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so that just kind of you know let me know that I didn't want to be like this guy. And, you know, now I go back to Oakland with Andre Ward, and you know he's the undisputed champion of the world, and uh, he forgot about it, and I mentioned it in tons of interviews, but never threw his name out. And uh, wow. now him and his son want to take pictures with me. You know, yeah. when went up the echelon. So yeah, that's how I learned to be a cut man, and uh, here I am. You know, working and uh, you know, I've been blessed to do all sports: boxing, kickboxing, uh, MMA. You know, bare knuckle fights. So that's, I've been that's, blessed. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, you never know where life takes you, but yeah, like when you hear, you know. 
Stitch Durham. I mean, he's a consummate professional. Uh, and, and any interviews I've ever seen you, I'm just a really good dude. Uh, you know, everybody that's ever worked with you I, and other people I've worked with uh, and also have interviewed have worked with you. And it's just, yeah, nonstop, uh, amazing professional quality to everything. But uh, there's an interesting side of things, too, because uh, like the concept of one more round. And yes. that kind of like personifies the cut man. Can you kind of go into your philosophy on your, your job as the cut man with the one more round mentality? <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring up one more round. Let me tell you how that started, right? Yeah. Because that's what you want to know, right? When yeah. We're talking stories. Well, during the, the, the times of the UFC, everybody was working on sponsors and, and all that. Well, this guy, Mark Zucker, that uh, owned BC Ethics clothing line, he was looking at the Rocky movies and where Rocky is saying, I got to go that one more round. Yeah. Well, he decided, wow, that goes good with anything. Should always go one, whether you're running, whether you're playing golf, whatever. So he, he created shirts like that, but he got a hold of Matt Hughes and, and he sponsored Matt Hughes. And, but Matt Hughes is the one that told Mark that if anybody you should sponsor should be Stitch Duran because he gives that fighter that one more round. So that's where all that started, bro. You know, and uh, he made T-shirts. <laughs> he made T-shirts uh, that that had the one more round. And until now, he still makes my outfits. And uh, I always support him. But you know, we've talked about because uh, I wear I wear button shirts. You wear T-shirts, right? Yeah, right. I'm a little, yeah. older, I'm a little older than you, <laughs> but we've always thought about like uh, Tommy Bahama is making button shirts with one more round theories. You know, maybe one more round of golf and. Just and to just do oh, different cool. things, and then uh, this COVID kicked in. Uh, but I'm still in touch with Mark. But that's one more round. People stop me all over the world and Stitch, one more round. You know? yeah. So uh, we created a, a, I don't know, something like that. That was kind of nice. That's amazing, though. And part of that, especially in the first book, kind of going into that concept with the, uh, you know, from the fields to the garden, the life of Stitch Durand. Man, like just a little brief part in the beginning really hooks you right away with the Forrest Griffin fight against Mauricio Shogun Hua. And there was this really nasty, nasty gash in the forehead, uh, this little zigzag. And I mean, from the outside looking in, you know, the, you know, the, the cut man's looking at it and you just see a little gauze, but what you're actually doing really made that fight persist. Can you kind of go into that just briefly. Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's great. And, and before I forget that one picture of me hugging Forrest, I've yeah. never seen it. Uh, really? You have to send me that. Never seen it. Oh, for sure. Uh, that's, that's, that's beautiful. And, and, uh, yeah, it just gave me chills just looking at it. But, you know, Forrest, we have a great relationship. When we did the re first reality show, of course, him and Stefan were were there, but I was always wrapping Forrest's hands from day one. And wow. come fight time during this reality show, of course, I was his cut man, right? So we've always had that relationship. But now, go fast forward, he fights Shogun. And it's the first time a pride fighter is fighting a UFC fighter. That's when the UFC bought Pride. Oh, it's huge. Uh, so I'm working with uh, with Forrest, and, you know, Shogun, I guess, with an elbow or a knee, gives him a major cut right here. And that big vein that we have when we laugh, well, that vein, he severed. And, oh. and those are horrible, horrible cuts to stop because it's just too much of a blood flow. Yeah. So um, I I, want, I get in there, and I use everything from the in the kitchen sink. I use the, <laughs> the adrenaline chloride, 1-1000, the... the when I put in the swab, that's a vessel constrictor. So that closes up the, bless, the wow. blood vessels as much as it could. But then I packed it with uh, quick aid. Quick aid is like a, uh, it's a coagulant. 
it's like a cotton candy base. And I kind of rolled it up, kind of put it right in that cut, and it closed it up real good. But wow. I remember going back and sitting down. Cutman Down House is, is to my right, and Dana White's uh, Senior is to my left. And, you know, we're all just kind of looking, <laughs> and they're saying, man, it's not bleeding. Man, it's not bleeding. And I'm looking, and I'm not <laughs> saying nothing, because if I say something, it's going to happen. Yeah, right? yeah, correct. And, and so fast forward, continue doing, I met through everything that I had into that cut. And of course you see the end results force has given me that, uh, uh, that big hug, yeah. but even more importantly, and after, you know, like a week later, check the mail and Forrest sent me a real nice gift certificate and a thank you to a restaurant. Thank oh, me no for, way. you know, for doing what I did and all that. And yeah, that was a pretty historical event for me, girl, you know, uh, and it's that pictures in uh, one of the video games. You know, so oh, that's nice right. Part, nice to be part of that history. That's absolutely amazing, and that's the other thing that surprised me too. Because obviously, the professional side of being the cut man—you go in there, you do your job—but you have this quality that you have with. It sounds like most, or if not all, your fighters were, "Hey, I'm treat you the way I would I treat my son." Can you go into that uh, mentality and how much it actually adds to the situation when they go into the battle? Yeah, I'll tell you that. You know, all that came uh, from the Otomachira. Uh, you know, I, I met, when I used to work with Josh Barnett, uh, when yeah. he used to fight for New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, Lyoto Mashida was on the same card. I think he was fighting Rich Franklin in Japan. And at that point, I started wrapping Lyoto's hands. So once again, I was locked into Lyoto, right? So I always worked his fights. But when he fought Rashad Evans uh, for the world title, he beat Rashad, if you remember. Yeah. And, but if you remember, Lyoto's father was a very proud Japanese very shogun good. type of man, very, very sat very proper and didn't yeah. say much, but I knew what he meant, right? Yeah. So at the end of the fight, of course, I'm working with Lioto, right? At the end of the fight, I go into the dressing room to congratulate him. And in front of his father, he says, Speech, in the ring, you are my father. And I thought, <laughs> wow, man, that's, uh-huh. that's, that's how things happen, right? And, yeah. and I thought about it, and I said, you know, he's absolutely right, man, because these guys... And I always say, even though they're modern-day gladiators deep inside, they're all babies. And my job is to take care of the baby. And, uh, I mean, there's many, many instances. Vladimir Klitschko, when he fought his last fight with Anthony Joshua. Oh. And let me add, first of all, that uh, Vladimir and Vitaly, I, I love these guys. I was with them for eight years. And, you know, Vitaly is the mayor of Kiev. And Vladimir is a spokesman for the country of Kiev. And, and them and Zelensky, the president, they're all fighting uh, for their freedom. You know, for unfair practices, as as we call them in our business, you know. So, but I I don't see Vladimir, biggest fight of his career, right? Mm -hmm. I don't see him till Thursday or Friday at the weigh-ins because my daughter Carla had just gotten married Wednesday in Crete. So Thursday I flew flew to uh, London and uh, in the dressing room I'm talking to him and Vitaly and and finally I put my hand on Vladimir's shoulder and I said, look, man, don't worry about nothing tomorrow. I'm going to take care of you like you're my son. And I leave. Because I know these guys can't sleep at night. I know, you know. Yeah. So here I am. I'm putting the final Vaseline on Vladimir before Michael Buffer does the announcement in front of 90,000 people and oh. millions around the world, as they say. And and Vladimir, we're about this far apart. And he says, you can call me son. Wow. So wow. That was super instrumental because I knew I'd gotten into his head that night before. One of the best fights he ever had in his career. And, you know, he calls me later and, Daddy! You know? yeah. 
<laughs> so we, we but but months later, uh, to finish the story, is yeah. I run into him into Germany, and very simply I said, Vladimir, that moment, why? And he says, he goes, Stitch, there's very few people I trust in my life. He says you are one of them. Wow, so, that's uh, huge. Yeah, that's 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 like mega big, bro. And uh, but I get you know it's like that all the time with so many of the guys because they know I'm there to take care of them. I, wow. uh, I, I real quick, let me dig it up. I'm gonna let you listen to this. Oh, please. I was. Uh, yeah. I did just finish doing the Creed movie, right? I was oh, like, can't wait. Yeah, that's coming out, and uh, so. Michael brought me in also not only to be his cut man, but as an advisor, how to properly do things that oh, make it authentic, right? So in one of the fights, they're giving away the WBC belt. So they come and ask me, Michael and the, the whole team, is who do, who do we have to give the belt away? So I give them the history. I said, look, the belt is the most, the WBC belt, it's the most prestigious belt out there, the green belt, they call it, right? It was created by Jose Suleiman from Mexico City. He's the president. He passed away. Uh, you know, uh, Mauricio Suleiman now has it. So it should be done by a Mexican, right? Yeah. So we're in Atlanta, bro. So Atlanta is 53% black and the rest are white. So there's one guy that I had met, him <laughs> and his wife. He had a, they, they were, these were the extras. There was like 250 extras for the fight scenes, right? Yeah. And, and I had met him. You know, I walk around, I talk to people and, of course, he was Mexican, and he was in the Air Force as I was in the Air Force. So we sat and talked. Finally, I said, see that guy over there on the other side of the ring? Get him. So he got a, a part in the movie. Wow. So anyway, so I, I'm going, I'm going, I'm doing the fight. Earl Spence is fighting uh, Dennis Ugas in Dallas, Texas, and I run into uh, Suleiman, uh, the son, and I tell him the story. And then we talk about the Klitschko brothers, right? So yeah. he says, well, let's take a picture and let's send it to them. So uh, I don't know, maybe you can see that. Uh, oh, let me find it there. That's the picture we sent, right? Oh, so wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you listen to and, yeah. and keep in mind Vladimir's in the middle of the war, bro. Yeah, I'm listen to, to what he sent me. Watch my two third man, specialist stage with whom I spent so much time talking, and he actually saved my career on a lot of different stages. Uh, if Stitch wouldn't be in my corner, I would not make the record of 12 years being a champion. So, um, that's uh, so great to see you both, and Stitch is the man. Wow. Sick, huh? I, it, it, you know, it, it, it choked me up, man, because, uh, you know, these guys are right in the middle of the battles, bro, right in the middle with fighting Russia, and you know, but that's a relationship we had. Yeah. You know, Vitaly, Vitaly, last time I saw Vitaly, uh, when Vladimir fought, you know, I'm, I'm saying goodbye to him. And, you know, his words is this, the Klitschko legacy has finished. But he puts his hand on my shoulder also, and I got a great picture of that. He <laughs> says, Stitch, we love you. You know, you are always welcome into our house. You know, wow. I said, all right, but when you become president, yeah. I want to go to your inauguration. Yeah. You know, so, so, yeah, but that's you're you're right. You know, it's um, to me this is the biggest thing. I, I I work with so many world champions now, so many title fights that I tell them it's not about the fights no more. It's about the characters that I run into. And you know, you're a practitioner, so you know yeah. when you break sweat with somebody. When you know you're you're in the gangster position, you're gladiators. There's that certain bond, you know. Yeah. And and I have that with these fighters. 
A hundred percent. And I believe like with the, the Klitschko brothers, you met uh, originally first met them in uh, Ocean's Eleven, the film? Working well, on it? well, yeah, but I, I did the movie Ocean's Eleven with them, right? Okay. But, but let me just go back. 19, I'm saying, well, I know it was December the 12th. December the 12th, I say 1991, Vitaly says 1992. But the when the Soviet Union first broke, we took a team of professional boxers and kickboxers to uh, Kiev to fight the Ukrainians, right? Oh, okay. And at that time, I had Mark Longo that was a light heavyweight champion kickboxing. So we went with some boxers from New York, and so we went up there. And at that point, those guys were already stars. They were amateurs. Uh, Vitaly was a, a world champ kickboxer, and, and, yeah. and Vladimir was a gold medalist in the Olympics. And But they were young guys, and I saw them then. And then when they started training in Vegas, I went and introduced myself to them, and I told them the story. And next day I brought the, the poster that everybody signed. And so that was a relationship that we picked right off the bat, right? Right off the bat, wow. Yeah, so uh, when they did Ocean's Eleven, I went in there, you know, yeah. and, and I became a cut man for Vladimir Glitzko. And I actually, I still have the cornerman jacket. They really? gave me the cornerman jacket. They signed it and gave it to me. And uh, so I did Ocean's Eleven. But going fast forward, Emmanuel Stewart used to commentate for HBO. And I used to co-host a radio show with uh, Nick Ward here in Vegas called The 13th Round. And we're watching fans go by, you know, into the arena and just people watching. And Emmanuel Stewart walks by and he says, Stitch, he goes, I need to talk to you about working with Vladimir. And I look at Steve and he really? looks at me. And the next day they call me and says, Vladimir wanted the cut man that was in the movie to work <laughs> oh. with him in these fights. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that's how we started. So going into talking about saving his career and serving his life, the first fight I had with him, no was at Caesars Palace here in Las Vegas against DeVero Williamson. He had just lost his world title to Lehman Brewster, right? Yeah. And um, and this was his first fight coming back, and Emmanuel's with him and all that. So he's in the fight, and he's looking okay. He's looking – but the first three rounds he won, all right? Yeah. But in the fourth round, uh, he gets dropped. Bang. Flash knockdown. All right? But I, I always look at the score. I, I look at the rounds. I look at the face. And I judge what I'm going to do based on the okay. situations, right? So we go in and we're working on him. And on the fifth round, he gets that unintentional headbutt. Boom. Yeah. And, and when it goes past four rounds, it goes to the scorecards. So I, I've worked on those cuts. I worked on them with Forrest, right? Yeah. yeah. I on, so I know the situation. But at that point, percentage-wise, and I told Vladimir Vitali and Emmanuel Stewart, percentage-wise, you didn't look all that good. For you to win that fight, that was your best odds right there. So when the doctor came, they said, well, what do you think, Stitch? I go like this. I said, yeah, it's pretty bad. You know, <laughs> They stopped it, went to the scorecards. They ended up winning the fight. Wow. And uh, three, four shows later down the road, uh, referee Jay Nady, that was the referee, comes up to me and says, Stitch, come here. Did you do what I thought you did? Did you open up that cut in front of the doctor? I said, I did. Yeah. He goes, that was very ingenious. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, so that's the story, bro. You know, that's crazy. Crazy, huh? That, that's crazy. And, you know, and you've been in the game for so long. Something that struck me in the book, too, like, you know, when your fighter's coming out, the lights dim down and music's going, that still gets you, huh? Yeah, you have to, man. How can it not, bro? You know, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, to, for me, see, keep in mind, and based on the book, the, from the field, so I grew up as a farm worker. 
right? So I was born and raised in a migrant camp and, you know, down to the point where my address was CPC number 12, California Packing Company. So there's a group of houses that we live in, the workers live in, kind of like the old slave days, but we got paid, you know? For the most part, you know, the the, the owner supplies the housing. There are tracks of housing out in the fields, right? And they're rent-free, but we work for him. So that's what I did all my life. So, you know, that's why I I never forget, and I always try to get back all the time, you know? Uh, But that's my encouragement. Yeah, exactly. And I, it's interesting just seeing the path that things lead. Like it was like a whole decade with the Klitschko, and then uh, a guy he had a, a quite the battle with, and that's Tyson Fury, another charismatic, amazing guy. At some point, things kind of switched over in careers wise to that. Can you kind of how that kind of came about going with Tyson Camp at that point? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, shit just happens. Uh, yeah. What happened if if you remember when Tyson Fury fought this guy and he ended up with that big old gash on yeah. his cut? Well, the 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 cut man. Jorge Capetillo uh, was actually, he's not really a cut man, but and he's a friend of mine, right? He yeah. was a guy that was at the gym all the time. So Tyson Fury brought him in because he helped him during the training and, and what have you not. And, uh, but he was thrown in the position as being a cut man and this big old gash happens and he's telling me, he goes, man, I prayed every round. He goes, I just did what I see people do, mimic it, right? Yeah, and luckily, you know, he uh, he passed, and and the fight went the distance. He ended up winning the fight, but there was also a second. So anyway, about three days later, I go with I go to Jorge and I go meet with him. I said, "Look, man, uh, I'm very proud of what you did. You know, you brought up the credibility of a cut man to the highest level. Uh, wow. Even as wow. Mexican cut man, you brought us up to the highest level. But there's some things that you didn't do good that you need to prove on. And let me tell you what you did because on the next fight." everybody's going to be on you and they're going to be looking at you. So I went through these programs step by step by step. Well, here's what you do to improve your techniques. And of course, you know, he thanked me and, and, and we're friends. So anyway, fast forward, he's going to fight Deontay Wilder and Bob Arum, the promoter from what I understand and Jorge Capetillo mm-hmm. both recommended me to work with him. And Jorge says, you know what? Wow. Get stitched because he's better cut man than me. So, so they called me and, and once again, you know, I that picture that you just put up there with Tyson Fury, he's up on the stairs going into the ring and he's tying his shoes and sees walk up, he sees me walk up and he comes up and hey, welcome to the team. And you know, I, we go through a little small talk and and uh, you know, I look at his cut and we talk about the cut and down that, you know, whoever sewed it up did a great job and so and so and so on. Finally, at the end, I see, you know, Tyson. Let me bring this up to you. I work with sponsors. I said, do you mind if I make an outfit with your colors and put my oh, yeah. sponsors on them? Uh, so and so. So he looks at me and puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, Stitch, you can do whatever you want as long as there's no drugs, alcohol, or weapons. And that's how we came in. And, you know, it's, that's how <laughs> things happened. And, and it was great because I told him, I said, you know, we really became friends. And I said, I could never understand how you beat Vladimir. Vladimir is a specimen of, of yeah. great, you know, just a physique and all that. And you, okay, you know, maybe a couple more setups, right? Yeah. I said, <laughs> I, I didn't understand why you beat him until I saw you fight Deontay Wilder. And I realized that your boxing skills were superior. Your defense yeah. was superior. So it wasn't a fluke. It's just that he's that good of a fighter. He's that good. And, and he has that... Um 
that unique style too, right? 100%. Yeah. And nobody, and no, no, you're not going to teach nobody how to fight like Tyson Fury. Just like you're not going to teach anybody how to fight like Floyd Mayweather. Just, right. They're, they're, they're gifted in their own. Yeah, in their own zone. I also kind of like going into the art of the rap. I mean, for hand rap, uh, you know, obviously there's boxing versus MMA. Can you kind of go into some of your kind of philosophies on the art of the rap? Well, you did your homework, bro. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to pick it up and have. Shit. I'm a big fan, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I am. Uh, well, let's go back to square one, right? How, yeah. You know, as like I say, as I was, I was going into teaching amateur boxers, I was learning how to rap hands and and then when I moved out of Oakland to Fairfield, California, kind of like 40 miles out, I opened up a school of kickboxing. So I had to learn how to wrap hands. And, and I would watch. In those days, it was boxing only. And the old boxing guys are like this idiot that would not give you instruction. They thought it was a secret and that they were taking it to their grave, right? So I would watch guys and I would mimic them, but I would wrap my own hands. And then I'd get on the bag and I'd punch and I'd okay. keep them on and I'd make the adjustments and, and what have you not. And uh, finally I came to the rap that I like. But going into, you know, that's what we were doing for boxing and kickboxing. But then MMA comes around and it's a whole totally new sport. Oh, yeah. New yeah. gloves and, 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 and all that. So uh, luckily Leon Tabs, the original cut man from UFC number one, uh, him and I were the, the first two cut men when Dana and them oh. bought it. They brought me on board, but Leon is the godfather of, of MMA. And wow. uh, so he already had the pattern set as you just, we just didn't put uh, the extra padding on the on the knuckles. In boxing, oh. the gloves, gloves are bigger, right? So you could put the extra padding on the gloves and then still slide the gloves in. But with these MMA gloves, uh, it's too hard to do. And, and not only that, but then you realize that the padding, the knuckles are the least part of the joints to get hurt. You know, the, okay. it's usually the metacarpal, you know, this, this yeah, the metacarpal, you know, the wrist, uh, the thumb. Okay. And, uh, but yeah, so anyway, we do, getting into that, we do the same technique for boxing without the pad. Because if it works for boxing, it works for MMA guys. Oh, that makes so much sense. Now that I have you in front of me, I have to go into, uh, now we're talking about tape. The Brock Lesnar glove. Oh, shit. I knew you were going to ask me. Yeah, hold I on. had to. I had hold to. On. I'm going to give you, I'm gonna give you, hold on. All right. Oh, really? Oh, man. Hey, uh, let's see how good you are. What do you know about Brock Lesnar? I just know he's a, just, this moments. Just a, a, a big dude that can move like a, you know, lighter athlete, just a big monster. So when he came on the, when he came on with the UFC, yeah. I, uh, the day of the weigh-ins, after he got on the scale, he got on the weigh-ins. I went and I wrapped his hands. He wanted me, the court, Dana and them wanted me to take care of Brock Lesnar. Uh, so him and I go, we're at the Mandalay Bay. We go in the dressing room and I'm wrapping his hands. And my daughter Carla's there. She's a big wrestling fan, right? Oh, cool. And uh, so I'm wrapping his hands. And from there we became, I was the guy to always wrap his hands. So we really picked up a really good relationship. Uh, even during the reality show, you know, I was his cut man and all that. And I'm putting the, that's when Joe Rogan saying he had five ounce gloves. Wait, well, actually, they were four ounce gloves. But I'm wrapping his hands and and I'm putting the gloves on and they rip like the Hulk. And I said, <laughs> oh, oh shit, man! Jesus. So Bert Watson comes in and he says, "What? They rip, you know?" And he said, "Well, look, you got to do something because we only got one more pair, right?" So I remember the Chris because we would put Vaseline on their on their wrap in the beginning and then slide it in. 
Okay. So, so the second pair, I did that. So what happened with the first pair, right? Bro, look at these. I'm going to show you something that very Oh, my people, goodness. Look how big oh. these girls are. Hold on. Let me see. That's, that's <laughs> insane. <laughs> look. That's insane. Let's go do this. So <laughs> these, these, these are Brock Lesnar's gloves that I kept. The one. So he uh, It's like he a lunchbox. Yeah, yeah. He, he signed <laughs> this one for me. Right? Oh, amazing. And, uh, yeah, wow. so... Yeah, so he took them. So that's uh, you get to see that your fans get yeah, look like catcher's mitts, you know. <laughs> and uh, but now we ended up with a great relationship. And remember, he had that surgery, and, and oh yeah, uh, and he came back, and he, I see him go say hi to him. He's at ringside. He gives me a chest bump. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just you know, that's Brock Lesnar, right? So yeah, you know, everybody has a heart. I don't care. You know, you can be on the badass on the outside, the inside. Uh, but I remember. Uh, God, I think he maybe fought Frank Mayer. Frank Mayer. I go in the dressing room to congratulate him, and, and his coaches are on the other side of the dressing room, and him and his wife are over there by themselves. And these guys look like they just got busted by the principal. They're just <laughs> sitting there like this. So I, I walk in and say, hey, Brock. He goes, Steve, hey, what's up? What do you think? You know, and, so, and these guys wow. are just like this, you know, waiting for instructions to go ahead and leave or something. You know, that was funny as hell, man. But <laughs> But I'll show to show you. I mean, I'll give you the moments. So when I'm wrapping his hands or I'm putting yeah. the gloves on, I told him, "I hey, man, I like your shirt." You know, everybody has sponsors, right? Hey, I yeah. like your shirt. He says, "I packed one for you." I said, "No shit." He oh, said, "Well, wow. no, no." My wife, my wife asked me. She did the packing. Should I get one for Stitch? And he says, "Yeah." So after I finished wrapping them and all that, he went over there and gave me a T-shirt, uh, which oh, is awesome. Yeah, which is nice. And then during the reality show. I always used to get a tank top from every team to get to my son. Oh, so awful. I told Brock that, right? And uh, next day, I'm wrapping somebody's hands and he brings me the UFC bag, uh, stuff with all kinds of stuff for my son, you know? Oh, amazing. So he, go, he drops it there and he goes to the other side of the dressing room and sits there and he looks at me. I said, Brock, you love me, don't you? <laughs> and he gets <laughs> that little clown's face, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, big guy, big heart, right? Uh, 100%. <laughs> um, you know, I want to ask you too, especially uh, maybe more in the realm of hand wraps. I'm sure to, you know, if there's a, a bad hand wrap that could lead to bad things too, whether it's boxing, MMA, kickboxing, what's uh, one of, if not a couple of crazy like injuries you've seen uh, because of that? Well, you know, not, I mean, usually if you're going to get a broken hand, it's going to be the metacarpals. Okay. You know, probably eight out of 10 times, it's going to be somewhere within the upper structure of your hands. You know, like I say, very seldomly do you get knuckles that are broken, you know. They might get swollen. Yeah. You know, uh, they might get a, a tendon that is, you know, uh, but the wrist, you know, might jam it up. You know, the thumb, of course, you know, especially in MMA, you know, when they're, oh, they're yeah. coming across this way, you know, uh, those are the injuries. But, yeah, just not bad. Yeah. Broken legs, yes. You know, uh, yeah, that I've seen. Major cuts, yes. You know, like Brock Lesnar when he fought. Cain Velasquez, if you remember, he got that big old gash. Oh, yeah. That whole swab just went all the way in, but oh, I'm man. working on him, and, and Stitch, take care of me. Yeah, of course I'm going to take care of you, bro. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, so, yeah. so this, But it's just different kind of injuries, but I've seen them all. I've seen Croak, <laughs> Croak out when he got knocked out by Gabe oh, remember? He's, yeah, was, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. But I had seen that before. I think it was, what's his name, Terry Martin? Knocked out by... Uh, by this one guy, and I had seen that first and foremost, right? Yeah. So I learned from the doctors at that point because I was in Las Vegas. The best, I, so much that I learned, I learned off the doctors 
from Las Vegas because wow. they're the best of the best. Yeah. So this, I think it was Terry Martin. He's snoring. <laughs> and of course, everybody's first thing is to pull the mouthpiece out. So he says, no, no, leave the mouthpiece in because as long as he's breathing, <laughs> he's fine. As, what happens is his whole body just locks up, you know, and once it's like a computer, once it starts rebooting, then oh, it'll okay. relax and relax, right? So there's no need to take the mouthpiece out. Well, right. when Prokop got knocked out, first thing the doctor wants to do is take the mouthpiece out. I had to put him on the spot. I said, no, 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 you know? Well, so, and, uh, yeah. And that messed his leg up too, right? He kind of, he was out on his feet. He was, but he got up and walked away like it was nothing. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah so... That's another super tough dude, man. Uh, man. And that was another guy that when he came on board, I was the one that was going to wrap his hands, and I was going wow. to work his corner. Yeah, you know, I wanted to ask you that too because you know, we're kind of touch base on boxing, MMA, and a legends that you've worked with in their own right. You know, what's that feel like, man? Because you've had a major stamp on just the fight business on a broad spectrum. What does that feel like? Especially if people come out of the woodwork, like, "Hey, we need Stitch. That's the guy." Like, what's that feel like, man? Oh, that's a great honor, Bill. You know, it's uh, to me, they're accomplishments. To me, they're, it's a respect factor. Uh, yeah, you know, it's because these guys are dealing with life and death, right? For yeah. the most part, and for them to think of me uh, to work with them, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable experience. And like I say, it's not about the fights no more. Yeah. It's about the people. The and, people. and I have great stories with so many, so many guys. You know, and can you tell me, like, as let's say you're, like, you're taping someone up, they're getting ready backstage. I'm sure everybody deals with things, the nerves differently, right? Can you yeah. kind of go into some concepts with that? Sure, of course. I've had, uh, I've had a <clears throat> top name guy. I mean, I'm wrapping his hands. He starts crying, right? Wow. But I've, but I've seen it before. And and I understand. You know, so <clears throat> I'm wrapping his hands. I'll stop, you know, let him get himself again. And then that's when I'll say, look, man, don't worry about nothing, man. I'll take care of you. You know, wow. finish wrapping his hands. Give me a hug goes out there and wins the fight, right? So, uh, but Frank Mir really said a great quote, probably the, the best one I've heard. Yeah. He says, when I see Stitch walking into the dressing room, my stomach drops because I know it's time to fight. Wow. Right? And there's no turning back at that point. And even Vitor Belfort says, uh, yeah, when I see Stitch walking into the dressing room, whether he's working in our corner or not, he brings that calming effect. Right. So, wow. you know, you, you got to picture these guys in the dungeon, bro, you know, going yeah. out. Uh, yeah. yeah, literally. I mean, that's these guys. This is a modern version of these guys that they're in the dungeon and I'm the guy that's putting the armor on them. Right. Yeah. Right before they go out and fight the lion. And uh, so, yeah. How can you not, you know, be blessed to to be in that position? And it's amazing, too. Also, in the beginning of the first book. When you're talking uh, dealing with Forrest, when you first get hands on him to uh, between rounds to deal with that gash, and instead of this uh, wincing moment of like oh oh my goodness or uh, oh this is trouble, you had a mental kind of thought you went into like he doesn't need that right now. You know he needs this calming effect. You kind of go into your uh, approach to that because that's amazing. Yeah, well that's you know that's people always have me. What's it take to be a good cut man? It's composure. Composure is number one. And and I've had you know you see guys that are in there cutting in there. They're doing this. Uh, Jorge Capatillo, that worked with Tyson Fury. Uh, he, he did the most thing you'd never want to do. Tyson Fury had a second cut. He goes, oh, you got two fucking cuts, you know? And that's not what you want to present to the guy, right? Uh, but, yeah, it just, you know, it's it's talking to them before, talking to them after, you know, talking to them during. I think Mike Pyle, 
said when he got cut, he said, man, when I see Stitch walking in, I know I'm cut, but I know I'm okay. You know, Andre Ward, same thing. He said that, you know, I can't remember who he was fighting. He says, yeah, I, I know I got cut, but then I thought, oh, I got Stitch in my corner. You know, so, Amazing. yeah, those those are how they happen, why they happen. It's just the relationship you build with the fighters. Yeah, I mean, that's, I love that aspect of it. Like I said, there's so many great stories in there. I do have to ask you too, while I got you in front of me here, is, um, you know, there's some stories like going overseas. Obviously, you travel so much doing your job. Yeah. Um, uh, Boss Rutten even has a little forward in the book. Yeah, you, you got any good Boss Rutten stories for me? Because he's a, he's, an absolute character himself, maybe with dealing overseas with pride and things like that. Yeah, you know, Boss, Boss is a great guy. You know, yeah. we did uh, Here Comes the Boom together. Yes. Right? And, yeah. and, and yeah. uh, uh, him and here we go. Are you good, bro? I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> him and, and Mauro, Mauro Ronaldo now that's commentating for Showtime, right? Yeah. Because uh, yeah, we used to go do the pride fights together. And uh, we always had great moments. But Boss, in fact, he sent me all of his DVDs of all his fights. And to oh. me, I think is the baddest dude I've ever seen. Oh. He just hurts you. Yeah. Ross is the kind of guy that hurts you, but he was telling me he was a bouncer. He goes, and this guy, he goes, this guy gave me a hard ass time and all that. And he kind of punched me and started running. He goes, I tracked his ass down. He's hiding in the bushes. He goes, I had still toe shoes and I just kicked the <laughs> shit out of him. <laughs> but but we're, when we're doing, here comes the boom. Yeah. Well, he's there for like three months. So he has his car. Uh, shipped to him, right? Yeah. And and we we're staying in Boston, and then uh, the filming's in Lowell, Massachusetts, which is, I guess, 40, 45 minutes away. And Boss has a Porsche, right? Okay. So, so instead of me going with the, the, the bus that takes everybody there, Boss invites me to go with him. And uh, so he, he's, music is jamming, he's and I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm buckled up, and it's raining, and, and he's going like a bat out of hell. And I tell myself mentally, I said, well, you know what? Boss has been alive this long, yeah. so he must be okay, right? So I accepted I accepted his craziness to get to where we were getting. Uh, but he turned out to be a tremendous, uh, a tremendous, tremendous actor in that movie. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I would expect none less than him reacting like that when he drives. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, man. I just, I just held on, man, because I said, you know what? If I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die with Boss Root. There we go. He's been alive this long. It can't be bad. Yeah, but, but I tell myself, said, but he's not stupid. You know, he's been yeah. alive. He's done all this crazy shit throughout his life, and he's still alive, so he must be okay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was my thing with Boss Root. That's great. And, and going into movies, yeah, here comes that was phenomenal. Kevin James got an amazing shape for that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Amazing by shape. And yeah, we are talking to a bit of a an actor as we're talking here. Rocky Balboa, the Creed movies. Super excited for the third one coming up. I saw Michael B. Jordan just did some amazing thing. You always wonder how they get crowd reactions. And he was literally like talking to an actual live event crowd. They get oohs and ahs. And what was it like working with Stallone? I mean, guys an absolute legend and uh, Michael yeah. Jordan for this. Yeah. You know, it's, Hey, listen, how many guys do you know have done three movies with Rocky? Yeah. Have, yeah. Right. How, yeah, many, how many guys, you know, I've done three movies with Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. I have. You know? yeah. So yeah. I, I, I've been real blessed in that situation. Uh, we'll go to Balboa, right? Yeah. Uh, Joe Cortez, the referee called me and say, man, you know, they're doing Balboa here. This company. Yeah. Yeah. I can't go. I told him. Because uh, I have had a big fight in, in Paris, France with Fabrizio. Then the week later, I was going to be in London with Arnie Harrison that uh, from England, heavyweight, that won the gold medal. 
And oh, okay. I was thinking economics, right? Yeah. I said, nah, Joe, I can't, you know, I got these fights and I get out the phone and I call my wife and I tell her I had this opportunity, but I can't go. And she goes, are you crazy? She says, Rocky's an American icon. You have to do it. And man, yeah. I sat there and I thought about it and I was already on the computer sending the people in England the what, where, ones, you know, how much and when do I get there and how do I get paid? And, and wow. finally I look, I delete it and I said, I hope you understand got this opportunity so-and-so and they understood and it turns out that the fight in paris got canceled anyway but anyway i called joe cortez i said look i'm in you know so I, that's how i got the, the the part i was a cut man for antonio tarver and but i got wow. to see sylvester stallone wrote directed and acted in bob Ball, yeah. and i got to see everything and he did a wow. tremendous job and you know going fast forward to creed so yeah. in in the name uh, for the script, my name was Marcel. And I said, oh, bullshit. I don't know anybody named Marcel, right? Because I'm not figuring out how to change it, right? Yeah. But when it was time for Rocky to introduce us to Adonis, he says, oh, this is Stitch. He's the best cut man in Philadelphia. Bro, I said, yes. Unless it's alone, you can't do that. Yeah. And the next day, I thanked him. He says, no, he goes, it has to be authentic, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So we kept it that way, and... Uh, you know, became part of that, and you know, I was Michael B. Jordan's cut man uh, for Creed One and Creed Two, and in uh, Creed Two, I'm I'm telling him how proud I am. Of, I, every day I wrapped his hands. It was just him and I, and and maybe his partner is sitting there. Yeah. But you know, it was just us in the trailer, and I told him how proud I was of him and Wow, Ray Googler that wrote and directed Creed yeah. and, and and then Steve Capel that was the second director for Creed Two, and, and he looks at me like this, like I'm looking at you. And he says, Stitch, he goes, we went from being uh, actors to writers, producers, and directors. And he looks at me and says, I'm directing Creed 3, and you're with me as long as you want. So, wow. Wow. So, That's absolutely amazing. And wasn't there in uh, Creed 1, he actually had a little taste of an actual contact. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 He got, well, and, 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 and he's getting cracked even more on this one, but more on the body shots. Okay. Right? Well, yeah. Well, you know, listen, you take enough body shots through enough takes, yeah. it's going to yeah. take something out of you, right? And yeah. uh, just welcome to our world, brother. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but but there's also in that that one when, uh, that scene when Rocky gets sick. If you remember, yeah. remember when he throws up? All right. Yeah. So so this is the thing that Mike, show you how good Michael B. Jordan is for just recreating authenticity, right? So if you see the movie, you can barely see a silhouetted. We're walking out. Hey, we'll see you later, you know. I'm telling slide, uh, Rocky, take care of me, still a pop. So we walk out, and but it's we're in Philadelphia, and we're the gym's on the second floor, and it's snowing outside. So we're on the stairs going okay. outside, and we don't know what's going on. But all of a sudden, I hear Stitch. So I make the move to go up. And I said, "Now maybe it's part of the act." Uh, well, it was, you know. But wow. the next day, I'm wrapping Michael's hands, and it wasn't in the script, bro. That's wow, the really? thing. I said, look, I said, Michael, look. I just want to let you know something. I don't kiss nobody's butt at all. But that scene right there was powerful, and I'm going to tell you why. Because you know that we had just left in the movie. We had just left, and you know that my job is to take care of you. And as soon as Rocky got sick, the first thing you do is you yell for me, Stitch! Yeah. That's how yeah. that stayed, man. You know? And it came across, man. That's amazing. Yeah. And getting you know the right guys. It's, you know, some just an actor to play this, get an actual... 
professional yeah. at it. Well, okay. Well, let me go back into square one on this one. Uh oh, here so, we go. So when I got the thing, I go into IMBDs. I guess it has all the people and all that. Well, the cut man, Marcel, was going to be actor Luis Guzman. Do you, I don't know if you know who Luis Guzman is, but he's been in a lot, a lot of movies. I think uh, uh, you, you'll recognize him. So anyway, I, I'm doing a UFC in Newark, and across the octagon, I see Luis Guzman. No. <laughs> and, and I go up to him, and I meet his manager, Ed Martin, and we became friends after that, but I asked Luis, I said, hey, man, I already got the job, right? I yeah. said, hey, man, whatever happened to the Creed movie? He says, well, they called me, but they never called me again. I said, man, I got your part. <laughs> <laughs> so we became friends after that, right? <laughs> but, but, yeah. but as, you, as you break it down in reality, that part was designed for me. You know? Yeah, oh, and, uh, a million percent. So I'm, I'm blessed, and uh, yeah, but acting is not... Uh, not what I'm following. It just I've been blessed to be in seven movies. I'll give you another behind the scenes stuff. Oh, okay. please. So and here comes the boom. Yeah. So once again, I, I have no lines. But in movies, if you have lines, you have residuals. And the residuals okay. by the end usually pay more than what you're doing. Especially wow. the first ones, right? So I gotta think of something. Well, sure, I'm already thinking of it, right? But when it was time for me to do my scene with Kevin James. He said, he pulls me aside and says, Stitch, come here, man. I said, look, we got to have you say something. So I'm playing the, the dummy. Ah, yeah, you know what? Well, here's what I tell the fighters is, welcome to the UFC. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good, man. That's cool. So during the scene, they call me in. Ah, Stitch, I can't believe you're working on me. I'm a big fan of yours. What a week I'm having. And I'm working on his face. And finally, at the end, I go, Tsh! well, welcome to the UFC. And I walk off. He didn't know I was going to slap him, right? <laughs> Everybody started laughing. Everybody. That was, my one, that was my one take, and I call that my million-dollar line. Because yeah. <laughs> I do residuals, right? So, That's amazing. Yeah, yeah so that was that, – but everybody started laughing. Oh, I couldn't believe it. If I would have told him, he might have flinched, right? But right. There's nothing like the present, right? Yeah, nothing, nothing like the pre – it's more organic that way too, right? Yeah, yeah of yeah. course, yeah. <laughs> I do want to bring this up. I thought this for years, being a big fan of yours and also being not just a big fan of fighting, but a movie buff. And as Edward James almost. Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, <laughs> I, I, you, if you guys aren't related, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, hey, I'll tell you, so I, tell, I got stories with everybody, but I've been blessed. So I always wanted to meet Edward James almost, right? Yeah, and I knew he was going to be working or at a UFC show. Anderson Silva was fighting, I think, Chris Whiteman. And I knew he was going to be there because Anderson Silva and Everett James almost were making an independent film. So I'm in the back uh, and I'm wrapping somebody's hands and one of the UFC staff says, hey, Edward James almost wants to meet you. I said, well, shit, I want to meet him. So I finished wrapping the guy's hands. And I walk down the hallway and I turn the corner and we look at each other like this and we start laughing. Same shit. <laughs> you know? and, and we're talking and he, you know, we're having a conversation. He calls my mom and talks to my mom and, and this no and way. that. Anyway, wow. yeah, I, I ended up doing the movie with them, a little cameo with them and, and all that. But uh, we became friends after that. And I told him through months and months, I said, man, I sent him a message. You know, it's nice when people stop me and they want a picture, they want my autograph, and then they think I'm you. Yeah. He said, he says, people call me Stitch all the time. You know? But but now it's gotten even worse, bro. I, I just cut my hair three days ago because it was long like his. Yeah. I said, nah. But yeah. yesterday I had dinner, I had dinner with a friend and this fighter from France and 
And uh, his wife says, oh, yeah, I saw you in Mayans. I said, no, that's not me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's absolutely amazing. I did want to ask you, too, because you've seen so much probably through the years of doing this. So much has changed from when you started to now in the fight game. Let's take the side real quick, like when you're dealing with fighters. Because I I know you've been given uh, Vladimir some tips on balance is power. You know, can you kind of go into uh, some of your philosophies on just the fight aspect? You know, it's funny because I was talking to a fighter last night and and uh, he was talking about how he's such a power puncher. I said, yeah, I can understand. I've been looking at you. Balance is something that I've always worked on, uh, yeah. being in the martial arts and all that. And But balance, too, I've always studied the cats, the felines, because there's no better balance point than these guys. They can fall, you can't even hear them, right? So there's a yeah. reason why. So I've always studied that. But yeah, Vladimir, I, we were in Germany and and uh, I was working with Fabrizio in Germany okay. and, and Vladimir was there and we had dinner and, and he asked me why what I thought about Joe Souza because they got rid of him. And, oh. uh, and he says, because he says Joe Souza put Vaseline all over his body and he couldn't breathe. And, and I said, no, that's bullshit. I said, yeah. my personal thing is you fight too much like a Russian, you're too stiff. Yeah. So we're in a little sushi place, little room, small room. as a stand up. So he stands up and get in a fighting position and I push him in the shoulders and he loses. I said, see, look at that, man. You ain't got no balance, bro. You know? <laughs> so we're sitting down and we're having dinner, right? But we're doing this. So he said, well, Stitch, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, well, I'm working the fights. You know, said, well, can we train in the morning? So keep in mind, we're in Hamburg, Germany. So I go to the hotel and I talk to the manager. If we could use one of the facilities to train. And of course, who doesn't want Vladimir Klitschko in the huh. hotel, right? Yeah. So we'll go there. We, we work and... and and I told him, yeah, you got to get a balance point. You know, you don't have a balance point. So for me, that's extremely important. But that young kid, Abram, that I saw yesterday, that's a power puncher. Yeah. I said, yeah, I said, I understand why. Because of your position. Because if you're in a position where you got good balance, even if I push you, either you're going to go back together as one or you're going to be able to withstand it. So that's a big thing for me. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. You do mention, yeah, you got into martial arts, started with some Taekwondo, and kind of worked your way, come back to the States, getting into boxing. What kind of overall, like, martial arts training did you focus on the most, getting into the fight game for yourself? Yeah, well, kickboxing. You know, I mean, I had my own school of kickboxing. You know, so, yeah. so not only was I a trainer, but I did everything. But that was that, that, that was the minor leagues getting into the major leagues. You know, when I moved okay. to Vegas, it's uh, been 28 years almost. I came with that pedigree already that people didn't know that I had. But, oh. uh, you know, in kickboxing, you get the elbows. And so I've worked on cuts. I wrapped hands. So when I moved to Vegas, then it was only boxing. But I was already doing uh, things wow. at, at the high level, right? And, I mean, did pass for Mike Tyson. I worked with Johnny Tapio. Just so many champions. Mike McCallum, you know, as, as – but I didn't come to be a trainer because I thought all the great trainers were here. So I could do it. You know, I've done them all. And, uh, you know, just I've been blessed. That, that's amazing. Um, what's the future for you? Because I know you have one more round, and everybody can check out your website, CutmanForHiresSupplies.com. You know, what's kind of the future for you? Well, I'm doing it. Well, I don't stop, man. I'm telling you things yeah. I'm working out. Uh, but Cutman for Hire Supplies, let, let me tell you how that came out. That actually belongs to Juan Ramirez. But if you know, I have my own line of tape, uh, my Stitch Premium tape, uh, yeah. the, the KO Swell. Uh, I'm working in CBD uh, cream for the healing process of cuts. But with my products, the, the Stitch Premium and the Kale Swell, I traveled so much. And let's say you ordered from me on, on Thursday or Friday. Well, on Thursday or Friday, I'm gone. So I'm not going to be able to send your order out till 
Monday when I get back, right? So just through a dream, I called Juan Ramirez. I said, look, man, I had this dream. Uh, would you be interested in carrying my products? And of course, he was just starting his business. Wow. And uh, he jumped on the idea. I said, but, you know, my job is, is for you to do this full time, you know, and, uh, and he's doing a great job and he's, you know, promoting my product and all that. So that's who that belongs to. But yeah, I have my own line. Uh, they're available there. I have a, I'm working with uh, uh, CBDinit.com where they created a cream for cuts. And oh. once again, you know, they, they always call me and, and I always listen. Right. So I asked Jay Timms, the owner as well, what proof source do you have? That this stuff works as stem cell, a vegetable stem cell, a CBD, collagen, vitamin E, and I'm working on them putting in aloe vera. And uh, so he said, well, that's what we call you, he says. So at that time, before the COVID, I was doing the bare knuckle fights in Florida. Because oh, yeah. they all get cut, right? Yeah. So, so Jay would go with me to the fights, and in the dressing room, the doctors would sew them up. He would take a picture of them, give them the cream, and then a week later, they would send the progress and the progress have been tremendous, you know, so I've been working on that and shit. I've had companies that want to create a uh, tie stitch uh, weed. I've had <laughs> a company that wants to do stitch wrap paper, uh, rolling papers. And, uh, you know, so these, I think it'll sell. I think it'll yeah, sell. No, you know? Yeah, no, hundred percent. You know, <laughs> I, I, I uh, especially the rolling papers. I have a good friend that he's a native American from North Dakota, Leonard Olsey. And he's already creating the wrapping papers. Oh, really? Yeah, it's called Stitch Wrap, the, the tightest wrap in town. <laughs> so I, I give him the blessing, right? I say, you know what, if you want to do it, I'm the kind of guy, if you want to do it, do it, man, you know? Yeah. And so he's doing it, and and um, yeah. So I say, well, you should also make them, make them with the, the, the blunt that they use, the one for the blunts. Yeah. So you can make all kinds, but that you could you could sell anywhere and everywhere. A anywhere and everywhere, yeah. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, but I'm, you know, thank God um, they're finishing up uh, based on the book. Uh, from the fields to the garden, uh, they're doing a documentary on my life. And, oh, wow. That's and, amazing. And, uh, what had happened, when I got the call, like say I'm like Zach Robinson that wrote the books. He called me and, and says this and that and this and that. And he'd be interested in doing the book. And I said, yeah, let's do it. So he just happened to be in Germany. And uh, he's a teacher there. So when I was there with Vladimir Klitschko, we shook hands and wrote the book. Well, the same thing with this. I told these guys, let's do it. So a week after that, wow. I get a call that Triple G is fighting, of all places, the Garden, Madison Square Garden. So they readjusted wow. their budget, and they went over there, and they gave us all access. So the footage we got of my goal to make it to Madison Square Garden, they got tremendous, tremendous footage. Wow. So then the COVID kicked in, and, and oh. when we're, we're back, and, and you know they started interviewing uh, Tyson Fury. And uh, two weeks ago, they, believe it or not, Michael B. Jordan came forward, and we got him interviewed and they don't want to tell me what he said but i know he said a lot of good shit about me you know Dude, so that's amazing yeah so this uh well the week of the the 13th the week before the 13th the 10th uh they're coming into town and they're going to interview my family and and me we're going to get the final interview and then what they call b footage of me okay in my lifestyle in las vegas and then uh hopefully by the end of the third quarter they'll be done and, and what they've done they've done a tremendous job uh gerard Roxburgh. Uh, the producer, he does a lot of work for the UFC. Uh, Danny Acosta, the director, as mixed martial arts also. Uriah Faber is one of the producers, though he's really? not involved in the project. Yeah. So these are the guys that came forward to me. And, you know, it's it's nice to tell my story. 
I'll keep people posted that. Uh, just one last question for you. It's pretty obvious why you got the name Stitch, but who donned that name on you? Who gave yeah. you the name? This is when I had my school kickboxing. Dave Rooney, which was a sparring partner for Dennis Alexio, right? Uh, we had a fight in Vallejo, California at the fairgrounds. Dennis Alexio was the main event, and, and Dave Rooney was uh, one of the undercards, and I worked with Dave Rooney, of course. Well, he ended up with a cut. And at that time, I was making the transition of being a cut man, and, and I knew shit about being a cut man. I just, okay. like I said, nobody would tell you what to do, they, so you would learn by looking. And a lot of guys still do that, right? Uh, but I remember they would cut tape and make little strips and butterfly, make butterflies, right? So knowing the cuts that I know now wasn't that big of a cut, but nonetheless, I butterflied it. And Dave Rooney says, man, you saved me going to the hospital to get some stitches. I'm going to call you Stitch. And uh, that name, that's how that name came. And Dave Rooney, uh, last time I heard, he was a fisherman in Alaska. I, I don't even know if Dave Rooney knows how much uh, he changed my life by just giving me that nickname. That's yeah. absolutely amazing. I would have never million years guessed. That's amazing. Yeah. Man, I just want to thank you so much for taking time to do the show, man. You're, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. And anybody into fighting of any style – I mean, you're, you're the face that's always around, man. You're the dude. So thank you so much for taking time to do the show. No, my pleasure. Yeah, send me that picture of me and Forrest. I've never seen it. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it's a phenomenal picture that I could definitely keep in one of my archives because it meant so much at that time. You know, oh, that, uh, I mean, if you were going to do perfect work, that would have been the place to do it. And, that was and it. it. Yeah. But it's it was amazing. Yeah, Dana's dad and Don Howes were round by round. We said, man, it's not bleeding. Man, it's not bleeding. And I'm holding my breath, man. I hope it don't. But he did. He did good. So, bless his heart. No, I appreciate it. Like I say, don't. I still got shitload of stories, man. So, we'll awesome. do it again anytime. All right? You got it, brother. Thank you so All much. Man. All right. God bless. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Warrior's Edge podcast. For more great talks and interviews on all things martial arts, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platforms. And if you're ever in our area, you're welcome to come in and train with us at our academy, Olympus Grappling Arts. Until the next one, keep listening and keep training.